1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Next on the OHIO podcast, we review Ohio State's big win in Happy Valley. We gush over the play of JT2 Mulau and who's to blame for the tunnel issues in Ann Arbor. And that all starts right now.
3: It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average?
4: Proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310
3: days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win.
0: It's time for the best Buckeye podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO podcast. OH!
2: I-O, and welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from another victorious north central Ohio, where I am joined by Mr. Sergeant MVP Aaron Brown from Fort Hood, Texas. How's it going today, Mr. Brown? going great just celebrated a birthday yeah i saw that big guy so what are you now like uh what uh 31
4: 34 (laughs) 34
2: yep 34 the big three four man hey six more years and then your body starts really hurting shoot man i'm in the army it's hurting now (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) and he's been hurting for the last couple decades because he's much older (laughs) than us (laughs) <laughs>
3: Chris Wilds, how's it going today, Chris? Was that really necessary? It was. 100%. I am hurt, Eric, because you had you had your watch party yesterday, and let me tell you, my belly's still hurting from overeating just a little bit. I'm not used to that used to all that food, man.
2: Hey man, I did a, I, 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 I knocked Our it out of the ballpark, the didn't I? Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I can't I don't know how many times I've gone to a steakhouse, ordered steak, and I've been like, I could do better than this, man.
3: Well, I told you yesterday I've only had one better.
2: Well, you know, I what, what can I say? It's take it's taken a, a a long time to perfect that, babe. But I was really happy with how the wings turned out myself. Oh, they fight. were
3: awesome! Awesome. Yeah.
2: There's nothing worse than bad wings, and I was really happy that those were really and, good. And a so.
3: shout-out to your buddy who brought the nacho cheese dip, too. Wow.
2: Oh, yeah, Travis. He did a great job. Yeah, that stuff's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good times. Aaron, you'll have to get back to Ohio soon so you can join one of our watch parties. It's a lot of fun, man. The countdown is
4: on. I'm going to leave it at that.
2: So I kind of feel like, guys, we've reached a milestone in in our in our where we're at with this show. I know that there's a lot of anticipation of us doing live video feeds on Sunday nights after the season's over. I'm really excited about that. But, I mean, this is our fourth year, and we j- this is episode number 250 of the OHIO wow. podcast. We are a quarter of the way to a century, a thousand shows. We're a quarter of the way there, man. So. Congratulations, Aaron. I don't know how you didn't, like, strangle me up to this point. I know you've wanted to.
4: Well, you know, a nine-month deployment was uh, an interesting break in service to the podcast, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I missed a lot of shows in between there, and, you know, life happens, I guess. That's part of my job at the moment, but uh, I don't know, man. It's been a blast. It, It does not feel like we have hit 250 shows. Uh-oh, this has it so it, this has flown by so just so fast and it's been so much fun just to see how this thing has grown and and interacting with the listeners and 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 developing the following that we've gotten man it's been a blast it has and
2: when you were away for those 9 months it was I was so thankful Chris jumped on board and the wild man has been with us ever since chris it's been awesome dude i mean i know you weren't there from the beginning but you came on there rather early and you've hung around with us and gosh it feels like you've been uh you've been with us since day one dude
3: yeah it's been great eric i mean we've done so much here recently can't wait to get aaron back so he can do some of these live events with us you know we've had such a good time going out meeting the listeners interacting with some great people we've had the opportunity to. You know, establish some relationships with guys like Mike Wargo, um, with, um, you know, some of these other guys who have just brought us in to, to, you know, kind of these different alumni groups. Uh, Buckeye Bob down there in Marietta, his group. Wow, they were such a good time, Uh, you know. and, and, And for us, Eric, you know, as a group, we may not have all been here the whole 250, but let me tell you. You you got to be kicking somewhere around a thousand with all of our little offshoots that we have now. You know, our our little network has grown. Um. So yeah, you're you've got to be up there. You know, I would say you're probably what closer to five hundred with all our other uh, gosh, I, all our other endeavors that we've got going on.
2: Yeah, I've lost count, man. I don't even. <laughs>
3: but it's great the way to see the way it has grown from even when I jumped on to where it's at now is just amazing uh you know i can't imagine going through football season now without doing this and and even as we you know when we get into the off season it's great to still do the ohio podcast to have the movie podcast going as well uh you know monk's doing a great job there with the the basketball podcast that you uh you've joined him with a little bit uh, here recently so just fabulous
2: yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know we we got that cease and assist letter, which we we'll, we won't dive into now, but that kind of made us feel like we made it a little bit. This really <laughs> yeah. makes us feel like we've made it, dude. We have a new sponsor for the remainder of the football season, guys. So let me introduce you, and this is not going to be new uh, a, a new to most of you who are listening, but Ohio Draft Kings Sportsbook is coming. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $200 in free bets. Plus, five lucky customers will win $100,000 free bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you $200 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. Plus, you'll be entered to win a $100,000 free bet when you sign up. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with code here it is ohio podcast to get 200 free dollars in bets to use once mobile sports betting hits ohio which i believe chris is coming up very soon january the of the, 1st, the year
3: 2023
2: yep 2023 but you want to sign up now to get those 200 free dollars in your account okay so Plus, five customers will win a $100,000 free bet only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code OHIOPODCAST. That's O-H-I-O-PODCAST. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-589-9966-21+. Physically present in Ohio, eligibility eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements, one per customer, $200 $200 issued as $825 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Voidware prohibited. Ends first date. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Ohio. See terms at dkng.com slash oh. All right. There it is. Our first DraftKings commercial, dudes. I'm, I would I'm pumped, just, man. I'm
3: pumped. You know, and- you know I've got a little bit of a uh... – I enjoy my gambling, Eric.
2: (laughs) You almost said gambling problem, didn't you?
3: (laughs) It's not a problem if you're winning.
2: That's true. Hey, that's right. You know, I kind of feel like DraftKings was like, is Chris on that podcast? Oh, yes. We better advertise with them.
4: (laughs) I I have a DraftKings. You have DraftKings already? Oh yeah, dude, I've been doing DraftKings. It's it's a fun. It really is fun. Um I've won a good amount of money over the last I don't know since last football season doing it.
3: Good for now, you. Aaron, and, dude, you, you can, can create
4: You can create groups and bet against your friends. And it doesn't have to be some crazy amount of money. It can be 10 cents, it can be a dollar and you can drag that all season long for end of season earnings. Like it's fun. It really is. That's cool, dude. You know, it's really fun to uh, bet against
2: your friends, especially when they're Penn State fr- fans. That's a <laughs> fact. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, <are> you, Kevin? <laughs> hey, what did you guys think <laughs> of his new profile picture? It looks good on him. Yeah, it does. A little a little JT T two Moolal says, I love Ohio State uh, Buckeyes, you know. Oh, he was get he was getting roused yesterday when he did that,
4: didn't he? But hey, way to be a good sport, Kevin. Man, you know his emotions got played with. He thought he was going to win till that fourth quarter hit. Oh yeah. Well, he might not have been the only one. <laughs> oh, that's a hey, we were we were talking online for a little bit there and uh, I know we were the three of us were kind of worried there for a minute. Yeah,
2: speaking of that, Aaron, why don't you give us our initial reactions of Ohio of Ohio State's uh, big win over Penn State by the score 44 to 31. So,
4: I, I I the defense, okay? I I said it last week. uh, I'm an old school guy, and I feel like defenses win championships. And yesterday, the defense, I feel like, won that game for us. The offense, you know, uh, CJ looked good for the most part. Um, The run game, though, still suffering. And it's going to continue to suffer because now Mayan Williams is hurt. We don't know. The extent of the injury, if he's going to miss playing time, at least I don't know, maybe y'all do. Well, but, uh.
2: yeah, so Mayan gave a, it's one of those things, he tweeted out, I'm good, with a thumbs up last night. So, I don't know if I'm good means I'm not, I'm I'm going to be good, or I'm good to go, I'm going to be fine. Like, sounds like to me, and it looks like to me, mm-hmm. I thought it was a finger injury at first, because it looked like he got his fingers caught in the face mask of the um tackler but then he had a sling on in the second half and didn't play but he did tweet out i'm good so i'm guessing he's going to be back sooner rather than later and he's a tough dude we know that
4: he really is you know and and he is the lower the shoulder he is the bowling ball he is meatball you know he's when you need a couple yards you're gonna give it to mayan williams you know what i mean Um, But until he's 100 percent and back, you know, we need Dallin Hayden to step up and run hard. Uh, We need Travion Henderson. You know, we know he's a finesse player, but he's really going to have to learn how to lower the boom on on the defenders. Uh, That's not really his game. It's not how he plays, but he's going to have to figure that one out. Um, But Marvin Harrison, Jr., man, what? Wow. The dude is just he's a freak. Marvin the Martian. We said it last week, I think it was. You know, so, I mean, you know, Tommy Eichenberg, he did well. Zach Harrison, he had another great game. Uh, but I think all that's overshadowed by JTT, man. He absolutely killed it. Chris, what would you think of the game?
3: Oh, man, for me, it was defense, defense, defense. I loved it. Uh, you know, you touched on a lot of the positives, Aaron, but what Let's say, let's call it what it is. We do have to address the elephant in the room. We got out physical on our offensive line again. That that is a little bit concerning. Also, yeah, I was a little concerned at the fact that outside of Marvison, Marvin Harrison Jr., we were not getting a lot of separation by our wideouts. Now I understand Penn State has a tremendous defensive backfield, possibly the best in the country. But these guys have got to get some sort of separation, uh, you know, to give C.J. that window, because if he's got even a little window, he can get it in there. Um, obviously, there's there is you know concerns with the running game a little bit. Um, Travion, of course, broke off. You know, he had 78 yards on 16 carries, two touchdowns. Not a bad stat line. But let's remember, 41 of that came on one incredible play. Uh, so I think we've got a little bit of concern there. But like you, Aaron, for me, I felt great in knowing that we have a defense that can go out there, take over the game, create turnovers. Now, we, we had some missed tackles. That bothered me a little early on. It looked like we had guys just launching themselves, throwing themselves, trying to hit a guy and knock him down instead of wrapping and tackling. But... Overall, I would say the defense, you know, it, it, they showed out, especially J.T. Tuilouau. I mean, for me, possibly the best game I, I've ever seen out of a defensive end. And I heard heard him talking on the radio as I was driving home from uh, the Buckeye basement yesterday. And several guys said this is the best game by a defensive end in a century of college football. So I gotta say I'm pleased with the win. I think Ryan Day is pleased with the win. Uh so yeah, I'm good. Eric.
2: Yeah, there are some concerns up front <clears throat> and and we, we addressed some of those concerns in our pregame show on Thursday night and I and, and even last weekend in uh, our review of the game against uh Iowa, I, I spoke about how I'm concerned that the offensive line is not gonna get a better push that we could be in trouble at the end of the year and that this game against Penn state was going to tell me a lot and it did, but it's not as bad maybe as what you might think I might come out with because two things. Number one, I think Ryan day figured some things out. I think you're going to see Ryan day kind of not abandon the run, but realize that the run is not the bread and butter of this offense. It's just not. And so if we're going to go down in a sinking ship, we might as well go down with what we do best, and that's throwing the freaking football. And if that happens to open up running lanes later in the fourth quarter, great. But I think we know – I know what we are in the running department. We are – Travion Henderson can break one when you're tired late in the game, and if you need short yardage, you give it to Mayan Williams. Other than that, our offense is all about timing – In the passing game, it's, that is what it is. So I think Ryan day kind of figured some of that, some of that out. I would not be surprised one bit. If we go into Evanston, Illinois next weekend, and we just blitz Creek, the wildcats by throwing for like 500 yards. Like I wouldn't be shocked in that one, one bit. Um, So that that's that number two, we went into one of the most, if not the most, hostile environment in college football, and we handled it. We did. I know it wasn't a whiteout. I know that uh, that uh, Happy Valley at night is even more intimidating, but it's still the, one of the largest stadiums in all of college football with one of the most rabidest fan bases in all of college football. You know, it, I thought it was interesting. Ryan Day's coached in a lot of big stadiums, including stadiums in the SEC, right? Not Ryan Day, sorry, uh, Urban Meyer. And Urban said on the big noon kickoff that this was the most intimidating stadium he's ever coached in. We went in there and we do what we always do against Penn State. We managed to win by 13 points. <laughs> it's what we do. It's like it's like Kevin, Kevin said, you know, hey, we did what we always do. We blow it in the fourth quarter against you guys. So it's, there, the, yesterday's game was a typical Ohio State-Penn State game. It's physical. It's close. They play us better than they play just about anybody else in the Big Ten. We knew it was going to be a good game, a four-quarter game, and we won by 13 points, which is the average of what we do in the last 10 years against Penn State when we win. We win by an average of 13 somehow. So there you have it. It is what it is. We'll get into that team up north later in the show. I know what their fan base is going to say. We blew out Penn State. You barely won. But you did, they did not have to go into that stadium and that environment and do that. And we did, and we came out victorious, and that's what matters. So that's my initial reaction. Let's go on to the re, uh, report card, guys. We're going to give the offense and defense letter grades now. Let's start with the uh, defense here because I thought they were absolutely fantastic. You look at the scoreboard and you say 31 points. How are you calling your defense fantastic? Well, that last touchdown was trash, let's be honest. Yeah. But look, I mean, come on, just wait a second. So they gave up 371 passing yards, 111 rushing yards for a total of 482 yards. That's 6.0 yards per play, which seems like a lot. They also gave up 24 first downs, which seems like a lot. And Penn State's third down efficiency was 6 of 16, which is better, way better than the average that uh, our opponents have done. They even possessed the ball for 30 minutes and 26 seconds. But we created Four turnovers in this game, and let's be honest, JT was a part of what? Three of those? At all least of, all of all four. He all had what? Four. Two interceptions. He had the uh, the uh,
3: tip the one interception.
2: Tipped the one to Zach Harrison. He he caught one. He all the strip sack. sack, the strip sack, all four of them. Yeah. Yeah. What a gosh. This is this whole show is going to basically be a love letter to JT to Mulau. but Facts. <laughs> but <laughs> defensively, you look at those stats and you think, oh, man, like it makes sense. They scored 31 points when you look at all those yards. But it just didn't seem, guys, like the defense was overwhelmed. I really think Penn State earned every last inch of those yards, guys. Those were not easy given yards. There's a couple plays where I felt like our um, defensive backfield might have been out of position and maybe even out of rhythm a little bit, possibly. But overall, I'm giving this defense a letter grade of A. Aaron?
4: Well, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. But there was some things. And I, I can't tell you if it is exactly... Um, the players or if it was the defensive play calls meaning coverage calls uh yes the deep, the secondary meaning the corners and safeties and in, in some cases like on the i think it was their first long touchdown pass i forget how many yards it went for he was way out of way out of it um i don't know what the heck he was doing but he, he got turned around somehow um but i can't really give them anything above i i gotta go with a b minus um when you allow 371 through the air and 111 on the ground, uh, 24 first downs, I'm not going to go through everything, uh, but, I mean, credit for the <laughs> the turnovers, you know, and one guy had a heck of a game, but the defense overall, you know, they were missing things. Um, one of the touchdowns was uh, right in the linebacker zone uh, of coverage, uh, they they got the ball and just ran right past everybody. Um I I just can't I can't justify anything above a B minus right now.
3: Chris. I'm with I'm with Aaron on this one, Eric. Uh way too much, like I said, out of position, way too much missed tackles. You take JT Tumelou out and Zach Harrison out of this game. This defense is a D plus at best. Those two guys had that much of an impact on this game. I mean, I know Eichenberg had, what, like 15 tackles? Yeah, but they also one missed that one that was a touchdown.
2: Yeah, he had that fourth down touchdown. I was like, oh, come on, Tommy.
3: Uh, you know, it, it was just – there were way too many mistakes outside of two tremendous performances. I got to go with Aaron B-minus.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we differ a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball where we had 354 passing yards, only 98 rushing yards, two weeks in a row where we're under the century mark in running the football. Total yards, though, was 452. Our yards per play was actually 7.5. So despite not having as many yards as Penn State, our yards per play was a one and a half yard, uh, yard bigger, larger than Penn State was, which means we ran less plays. We also had less first downs than them. We had 21. Our third down efficiency was the worst it's been all season. Uh, We were four of 12. So that is 33%. And time of possession was 29 minutes and 34 seconds, also less than Penn State. Here's the biggest difference. We had zero turnovers offensively. So I gave the offense a letter grade of B. Chris, you went last. You get to go uh, first this time.
3: Uh, I went B minus with the offense as well, Eric. Uh, the run game, the lack of physicality on the line, still concerns me quite a bit. Um, you know, and, and again, the lack of the receivers outside of Harrison being able to create separation, uh, you know, concerns me a little bit. Yes, this is, I think, a very good Penn State defense. Uh, they got a great young linebacker. They've got a, more, a a great defensive tackle, and as I said. Probably the nation's best defensive backfield. But still we've got to find a way to run the ball. You take away again, you take away the one big run. Our run game was completely anemic. You're talking fifty seven yards outside of that one run. So I gotta go B minus.
4: Aaron. Yeah, I, I gave them a B as well, Eric. Um, but a lot of that is because of the fact that you know most of the penalties we committed were on offense and then you know Cade Stover yeah he had a touchdown but the rest of that ball game that was the worst performance he's put on since he's been a starter he missed i don't know how many blocks he missed and then i'm going to take a little bit of a shot and don't take this as negativity but the play calling Okay, the play calling. I don't know how many times you have to run a screen to the receiver to realize that it doesn't work. And I don't know how they didn't. And I messaged you guys this. But when the safety and the corners are crashing down so hard the way they were, how did you not recognize to send a wheel route? Like you've already got them hook, line and sinker. When they see that formation, they're coming and they came every single time and they stopped it. Every single time, send somebody down the line and throw it over top. It was there all day. It was there. And I don't know how they didn't see that or why they didn't make that that change, that adjustment. Um, The line was not physical. Um, And again, I'm with you guys. You know, Penn State, solid defense, very solid defense, respect to them. But we're Ohio State. We're number two in the country. We're expected to do some things, and you're not going to do those things. And by things, I mean win national championships, big conference championships. You're not going to do those things unless you are bullying the other team. miss tackles on – you know what I mean? Like we have to create that kind of stuff. Penn State did a good job of making us miss. We didn't do a good job of doing that to them. Uh, you guys mentioned separation between receivers. Again, you know I get it. Great secondary, among the best in the country. But again, for Ohio State, we're number two. we are supposed to do big things, and we have to create space and that means getting creative with play calling. If something's not working, quit doing it that's I, that's really all I can say about it.
2: it. sounds like someone was yelling at the TV yesterday, Chris a little bit
3: just there on the want someone, Eric. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I I was in the praying position a couple times on my foot footstool down in the basement, area. <laughs> <It was a,
1: laughs>
2: yeah, thankfully, thankfully, the
4: uh, the football gods listened to uh, oh. listen to us. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I wanted to I wanted to bring this up, too. And, and it's just an interesting little point. But, you know, last week, I think you brought up power running. Why don't we do it? Um, yes. You know, outside of the red zone. Well, we finally did. And it was the 41 yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. And God. that. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, it was a Cade Stover block that he didn't miss it for a change. Uh, He let it was a lead play. He just led from the wing and he led up through there. He caught the linebacker and Travion used his speed. That was a power play out of the spread. That was a great call. We need to do that more like that was just that was executed Mm -hmm. extremely well.
2: I think the safety got himself out of position too. He got sucked up in there, and the next thing you know, Travion's by him. So.
4: Well, that's exactly, and that's part of the play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it helps that he's faster than a gazelle. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what
3: what Dewan Jones did to his man on that play was just humiliating. Oh yeah, he criminal. Uh, it, was, it
2: was criminal. Yeah. <laughs> it was when Dewan Jones gets a hold of you, and you're not and, and you're not in good position as a defender to try to shake that block, you're gonna get drilled. Yeah, yeah, That's like that's like a, a, a giant uh wall falling on you. I do have a good nickname for Cade Stover though. That that touchdown run he had. I I came up with the name Cade the Combine. He's a farm boy and he's harvesting defenders, dude. Hey no
3: Eric. Yesterday at the house he was a steamroller. Make he up was a
2: Steamroller. Now I but yeah, it dawned on me, Chris. He he does a commercial with AgPro for uh John Deere for AgPro and he's in a combine, and I was like, that's it? It's
4: Cade the Combine Stover. That's it. That has to work. Yes, the commercial, There's you can't argue it.
2: Yeah, Perfect. That's it. Perfect. Hopefully, oh, Cade, if you hear that, hook me up, brother. All right, so <laughs> let's go ahead and hand out Buckeye Leafs. Let's do the obvious one, shall we? Defensive player of the game. Chris, who you got?
3: Uh, y- you know, when you fill up every line on the stat sheet multiple times, you got to get the lead. And that goes to J.T. Toomaloo, of course, six tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. You know, he had what interception. He caused another interception. Just two, I mean, He actually had two interceptions, caused a third. You know, just like we talked about earlier, every turnover can be accredited to him. Without a doubt, player of the game.
4: Aaron? Yeah, make it two. That's obvious, like you said.
2: It is. Make it three.
4: All right. (laughs) Now the
2: one that might not be so obvious, so I'll let you go first this time, Aaron. Uh, The offensive player of the game.
4: Offensive player of the game? For me, you know, I'm stuck between I'd love to give it to Stroud, but I have to go with Harrison because he was the one that stuck out. You know, 10 receptions, 185 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but he came up with clutch plays that helped us to get there. So I'm going with Marvin Harrison Jr. for my offensive player of the game. I am going to go with Stroud.
2: 26 of 33, 354 yards, touchdowns, and circle this one, zero interceptions. I thought that was absolutely huge in this game. Yep. Uh, I I think if there's a Turnover or two or an interception or two. This is a completely different game. There's no doubt about it that the the turnovers absolutely uh, destroyed Penn State in this game. Penn State does not turn over the football. We do not create those turnovers on defense. This is a completely different football game we're talking about today. And so you got to give CJ Stroud credit for even those you know seven times he dropped back to throw the football. He you know it was incomplete. 26 other times were complete. And here's the here's the great thing about it. He actually ran the ball a couple times.
4: Yes. So, yes, I saw that. I was super happy.
2: Yeah, I think he's finally realizing, in and in you're right, Aaron, you called it. In a game like this, you, you might see him do that. Well, he did a couple times. So that is something that's now on film that defensive defenders are going to have to take account for because if they leave him a lane now. There's a chance late in the season he's gonna take it, so I thought that was good. So I, I, I'll go with CJ Stroud. So you get to break the tie here, unless you got someone else, uh, Chris.
3: You know I've gone back and forth between the two guys here, and I think I got I got to go with Harrison Jr. And it comes down to one thing for me, Eric. The end of the first half where he got hit, where where CJ let himself get hit instead of just getting rid of the ball. He fumbles the ball, time runs out. That's three points we gave away. And, and you may say it's the play calling, but you know, by the analytics, the play call was right. CJ held the ball too long, did not make a good choice in that particular play. It could have came back to bite us. It didn't, but it could have. I'm going with Harrison.
2: Ryan Day took took full credit for that after the game, though he said, "In all, in, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have kicked it, but he did not think we had a timeout left because Penn State's scoreboard showed that we had none."
4: Yeah, we kind of got hosed on that. We
2: got a little bit hosed on that. <laughs> well, that's
3: that, okay. They burnt two seconds on the clock before they actually stopped it on the first down, you know, when we got up there to begin with.
2: I know. I know. We sh- it should have been eight seconds. You're right. Anywho, that's beside the point. But, uh, you know, so I can't throw all that on Stroud. And, dude, that guy came on. Un- Touched on him on his blind mm. side. He had no he had no idea that 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 sack was coming. That that hit was coming. Uh, okay, let's go over to the de- defensive play or hit of the game, Chris. I'll let you start.
3: How about just anytime JTT stepped on the field? <laughs> just, yeah, he, would J- he created JT, every time. Would he got off the plane, <laughs> you know, I, initially my thought was that first interception. But you know what? I think that second interception, the pick six, came at just the right time to completely shift all momentum. I got to go with the, the pick six by JTT.
2: Yeah, that's mine. That I, that that was that sealed the deal, dude. That was the dagger. Pick six for me, Aaron.
4: I'm gonna go with a different one, but it's still JTT interception. But I just thought that it was just an athletic play, just from somebody his size to dive in front of the the running back the way he did I think it was the running back uh and and pick it up you know just inches away from being on the ground he intercepted it right in front of him like for a guy that big to make a break for the ball like that (laughs) that was impressive so I'm gonna go with that one
3: But, but guys how about that that first interception that he caused the tip that was just great the tip over to Zach Harrison who tips it up to him. So they were playing volleyball out there to get that one.
4: Yeah, they were. That was an athletic play by Zach too, man. Because, I yeah. mean, a 6'6", 270-something pound person, you know, twisting his body to 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 get that catch. You know what I mean? That was, that was impressive as well.
2: All right, Aaron, uh, you went last. I'll let you go first. The offensive play of the game.
4: So I got to give credit to Coach Day on this call, okay? But it was Cade Stover's touchdown. Now, here's why I got to give Coach Day the credit. All day long, right, we're throwing short passes for the most part, a couple long ones, medium routes here and there. But this one I thought was great considering the situation, all right? He runs off the secondary. Cade Stover keeps it short. C.J. Stroud took a seven-step drop. When you're a secondary player or you're a linebacker, when you see seven-step drop, that means it's going to be a long pass. C.J. Stroud saw saw Cade Stover sitting there and hit him with it, and Cade Stover did the rest. Combine Stover. <laughs> I thought that Combine. was just – dude, I thought that was just a, a genius play call. I thought that was great.
2: I did love that. I mean, he's just, he's just absolutely harvesting Penn State players on the way to the end zone, baby. Just rolling them over, man. Loved it. That's my offensive play of the game as well, Aaron. Good call. Chris?
3: I'm going to go with a different one here, guys. I'm going to go with the one good run we had in the game. And it's not so much the run itself, but just the way everything finally came together. You know, you talked about the way, Aaron, that Cade Stover was able to come out there and really isolate that linebacker, keep him out of the play. You know, I mentioned DeWan Jones. Everything worked on that one play. And, and like you said, Aaron, we need to see that type of power game out of the spread more often. I'm going with the Henderson big run for the touchdown.
2: All right, there you go. There's our Buckeye leaves for game number 8 against Penn State. We've got four regular season games left. Ohio State will go on the road uh and uh, to take on the uh the worst team in our Big 10 power rankings, the Northwestern Wildcats in their home field, Evanston, Illinois. We're going to talk all about that this Thursday, but we're going to take a f- quick commercial break. When we come back, we got a Facebook poll question that needs to be revisited. We got your questions that need to be asked uh, that we're going to try to answer. And of course, we're going to take a trip around the woeful Big Ten, so hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360 degree, high definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at onlinemastermind.com.
3: And we are back. And guys, we talked about this last week, our poll question last week, and we decided to revisit it this week given what we saw at Penn State. So after yesterday's game, Do you still feel the same about this poll question? Which unit would you rather have out on the field in a game-winning situation, the offense or the defense? Now, before I give you the poll results, guys, I want to find out how you voted and why. Eric, let's start with you.
2: I still voted for the defense. Yesterday did not change my mind one bit uh, uh, about this question. I still like having the defense on the field in a game winning situation because twofold. Number 1, it means we have the lead. Number 2, I just think our defense given what Jim Knowles has has brought to them a swagger is is changed the entire outlook on this team and you saw it yesterday in in tight gate in tight situations we We were confident our defense was going to do it. Now, this is not a perfect defense. This is not even the best defense we've ever seen at Ohio State. There are definitely some holes and weaknesses in the defensive backfield, like Aaron pointed out in some of those big, long plays that Penn State made. You know, a lot of that is on our cornerbacks and our safeties being out of position. But what this team is doing under Jim Knowles is they are creating tremendous pressure and and creating turnovers. And I'm here for it, man. I love it
3: okay Aaron what's your answer
4: I went with the defense as well man Uh, I I told y'all I'm old school I I gotta go with defense wins championships you know I'm a uh, professionally I'm a Steelers fan that's how they've won most of their championships they are not known as an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination Ohio State does have a great offense but right now the defense is really, really consistent. Did we allow a lot of yards against Penn State? Yes. But what we did do was create turnovers and timely stops. So that's that's what we had to do. That sometimes games just end up like that. You know, Penn State is not a slouch. Uh, you're not going to shut out every team. You're not going to keep every team to less than 100 yards passing and th- uh, running like we did against Iowa. That's just not realistic, you know um and Eric said it you know we're we're not this is not the greatest defense that we have ever seen at Ohio State but they're really good for this season you know that and that's what matters is season by season what does the defense look like what does the offense look like you know and and that's that's why this is a team sport you know when the when the offense is not performing at their height the defense can step up and make some plays and we have a defense that's capable of doing that
3: yeah and I'll tell you what, Aaron, I agree with you. If anything, this game for me more solidified that that position that I would rather have the defense on the field. Uh, you know, I think that, and I've heard this this term, bat, you know, batted around a little bit recently. And you kind of touched on it. I think our defense is now complementary to our offense. The fact that when one is down, the other is able to step up and take control of a game. Uh, And that defense, really, that's exactly what happened yesterday. I'm with you. The defense won this game yesterday. The defense, and and specifically our defensive end, Zach Harrison and and JT Tumalua, went out there, and they took control of this game. Now, the stat line for Zach Harrison may not be as impressive, obviously. But you know what? The last three weeks, I think he has really been playing tremendous football. Uh, and we are starting to see what we expected when we had this kid sign as a as a five-star recruit. We are getting that type of performance now. The numbers may not be quite reflecting it, but I'll tell you, he is out there playing some great ball.
2: Chris, can I add something to that real fast? Yes. So I noticed this, and maybe, Aaron, you can kind of maybe educate me on what's going on there. So the defensive end, and when, when – we're looking at this from a run-stopping perspective on defense. That defensive end is supposed to set the edge, meaning they're, not, they're, they're basically there to kick that running back back to the inside where all the defensive help is with your defensive tackles and linebackers. Yes or no? Correct? Yeah. Okay. Did you guys notice this year so far no one is running to the outside of where Zach Harrison is? Nobody.
4: I'll be honest, I haven't really noticed it, but I have noticed that like they're not running to the outside in general, but i i did i guess I didn't realize that it's strictly not to his side
2: well they they well, you're right they they're not, they're having trouble on both sides, which is which is you know a a good of uh indication that. You know, JT, Tumulau, and Zach Harrison, and and Jack Sawyer when he's in, are doing a great job of setting the edge. But I just – I feel like I've noticed in my rewatches of the games that Zach Harrison is just dominating uh, on run-stopping. Remember a couple weeks ago on that end-around – and it was like, oh, shoot. And then all of a sudden he destroyed the tackle. And then those long arms mm-hmm. are like go-go gadget arms. He just like reaches out, gets the ball carry, and brings him down for like a two-yard loss. Like that's something nobody can do against this defense because he's setting the edge so well. So that's not something that you're necessarily going to see in the stat line like you say, Chris. But it's so vital, I think. For to especially in this type of defense that we're running, another reason why I believe Tommy Eichenberg is just eating up the defensive stats because yep. they're just pushing everything to the middle where he's able to just gobble it up.
4: yes, and yeah. that's I wanted to touch on that real quick if I may. That's the beauty of a four two five, okay because it's it's almost like a mirage. You're like setting the offense up to attack the middle because there is one less linebacker. And that is why you have to have strong defensive end play to make this thing work. And right now we're experiencing that. So it kind of makes the offense think like, okay, we can't get around the outside, so let's play the numbers game. They only have two linebackers. Let's try to run up through the center. Well, if you have good safety play, uh, and if you notice they called Lathan Ransom's name a few times yesterday, that's where that comes in. That's why safety play is so vital in this defense. That's why they talk like, you know, I think earlier this season we kind of you asked me why safety play or Tanner McAllister is such a a big thing in this in this defense. Well, it's not just Tanner. It's 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 any of the safeties. Mm -hmm. They come up and make that stop as a third linebacker almost. So that's it's it's a beautiful defense. That's why I really enjoy seeing what I'm seeing out of it right now. It's being done right And it's great. Ronnie Hickman had a really good game, too. He He did. He he
2: finally got some tackles. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I saw I could see a smile on his face. He's like, finally. (laughs) So a few players
3: finally got that second level.
2: Right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, and but that's good to see that even though they did get to that second level, you know, and Tommy, you know, missed a couple. It's nice to see Ronnie Hickman and Lathan Ransom. They're there to they're there to clean it up, which is what safeties are there for. Anyways, is to create that big play and clean up, clean it up on the back end of a run. So it's working as you know, it was working. So even though Penn State was able to move the football against us, Like I still feel like this defense is doing exactly what Jim Knowles set out to do. He told everybody from the from from jump, this defense, you know, it you we're we're set to give up. It's okay if we give up a couple big plays here and there, because we're gonna be creating big plays. And they are. So they're doing exactly what he said they would do.
3: Yeah. So guys, I think we had a slight shift from the last poll. We actually have up to 36% now are in favor of the defense. Now, it is still overwhelming and in favor of the offense. 64% of, of the vote came in for them. But you can see the defensive folks are starting to, you know, defense starting to get a little momentum with our fan base, guys. And, and I think it's very well warranted, especially after yesterday's game, which, like I said, Eric, for me, this was more a solidification of my choice of defense than it was changing my opinion. Mm -hmm. So that was our, our fan poll question for this week. Aaron, we had some great questions come in from our listeners. Why don't you hit us with some of those?
4: I will be sure to do that. And you're right. We did get some great questions this week. Uh, So we'll go ahead and start off with our boy, Nick Quint. Uh, Eric, I'll send this one over to you. What is going on with the running game? Why are they struggling?
2: You should answer this yourself, so <laughs> Aaron. Um, you know well, that's not fun. It's not okay. But I'll let you. How about when I'm done answering it uh, to the best of my ability, you uh, you come in and clean it up for me like a good safety. How about that? Got you. All right. So, <laughs> in my opinion, I think defensive teams defense, or or, or at least uh, the last couple teams we played in Iowa and Penn State. They are daring us to run, and I think they're disguising their defenses a little bit. And we're just not – I don't know. I don't know what's happening on the offensive line. Aaron, maybe you can answer to that. But as far as what my two eyes tell me, we're not hitting the holes running backs very good, especially Travion. I feel like he's just dancing a lot. Instead of just one cut, go, hit the hole, get three or four yards, and finally you bust one, right? He busted one at the end, and of course you did a good job of explaining why that was, Aaron. But I see too much dancing for one thing, and and maybe you you can uh, answer that to a little bit too. But I also think the offensive line might be a little bit confused because I think the defenses are kind of like – disguising what they're doing a little bit more, Um, which is why I think another reason why I think Ryan Day is going to not abandon the run, but like say, okay, we're going back to, to passing the ball 80% of the time in the first half. Just, I know, I know we got to keep teams honest. I know we got to run the football, but we're going to run the football on our terms, not your terms. I think the last two weeks he's tried to run the football on the, on the opponent's terms as a play caller that's just my two cents
4: uh i mean you're not wrong in most of that so yeah it it, the defenses are running stunts it's it's not i don't want to it's not so much a disguise it's just they're attacking the gaps you know that's at this point in time that's what good defenses do you got to attack gaps against a zone offense a zone running offense You go at those zones, you know, uh, they can line up. Oh, boy, let's see. They can line up, you know, zero technique is right over the center. Um, They could line up in a one and slant to the left, to the right. Uh, And then, of course, their key tells them, you know, the tight end is the strong side. So you could slant to that side, attack that gap, slant against it um you know and that's a case of film study uh, it depends on where the wide receivers are lined up what what formation they're in there is so much to this okay and it's not really a disguise it's how do you want to attack these gaps and it also depends on how good the defensive line is you know Iowa has a good d line Penn State has a good d line and better linebacker play um so that's going to create some havoc, you know, especially when they start stunting. It's not even just the slants, but when you throw in a slant and then a stunt on top of it, you know, it, it, that does throw the offensive line off. And that, that's where the confusion part you talked about comes into play, Eric, because what that does, it's designed to make the tackle and the guard go after the same guy so that whichever one, uh, the defensive tackle or the end, can come through. And that we saw a lot of, and that, and then if you throw a linebacker blitz in there, now your offensive line is outnumbered. You've got, we'll just call it, you know, six on five on a blitz. Well, one guy's gonna be free, and unfortunately, they were shooting those gaps really well, just like Iowa did, and it, and we paid for it. And on top of it, running the football is a physical endeavor. Okay, that is just the way that this game is played, and that's why. We've come to to love Mayan Williams because he lowers the boom on these guys and he will keep going. That's why we love Cade Stover, because if he catches the ball, he's going to run with it and run these dudes over. It is a physical thing. Football is physical. And right now, our offensive line is not out physicaling, physicaling. (laughs) I know that's not a word, but we're going to use it as one right now. They are not being more physical than the D line. Okay, and they also have to play smarter. They have to watch. Sometimes you have to be reactive, not necessarily proactive, because if you see that they're stunting, you can't just go after the first thing that moves. You've got to pay attention, but you also have to be alert. So it's, it is, this game is, is very intricate, and it's physical, and you have to make snap decisions, and that is the difference between good and great is your ability to make an athletic play, even as a lineman. So uh I hopefully that makes sense. Um mm-hmm. and I, I try to explain it in lay, in lay terms, uh, but but I know how it comes across sometimes.
2: You know when you're getting when you're getting uh, physical what you should get.
3: I, I got an idea, Eric. What's that, Chris? A woody hat. That's right. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> you can-
2: Got to protect yourself.
3: You need that Woody hat. You, 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 what was the word that you created there, Aaron?
2: The, the one. It was physicaling. Physicaling. When, you, when you're physicaling, make sure you're physicaling with a Woody hat. That's all I'm saying.
4: Man, the uh, the ambiguity in this show is just through the roof right now. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I'm I'm logging off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Moving on. You guys are both ridiculous people. <laughs> All right. Brian Lee Oberst asks, "Let's or says, let's talk about the elephants in the room. What is wrong with our running game and offensive line? We just touched on that. Again, struggling to block. How about the game by our defense, especially JTT? Is that the best defense play?" by an individual in Buckeye history. Chris, I will let you talk about whichever part of that
3: you want to. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if it is the best defensive game by any player in history. I mean, you look at Spielman's game against uh, that team up north where he racked up, uh, what what was the record for the tackles there? Uh, 20-something, 26? 27, I think. 26, 27. I mean, it's awful hard to touch that, but I'll tell you what. I would say it was the most complete game by a defensive player I have ever seen, uh, especially coming from the defensive end position. I mean, if you look at that, um, just it was insane. This guy filled every single box on that stat line. Two sacks. Two interceptions a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, three tackles for loss. I mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he is the first player this century, or maybe the second player of the century, to have the, uh, was it, two interceptions, two sacks, and a fumble recovery all in the same game. So, for me, it was the most complete player I have ever, uh, most complete game I have ever seen by a defensive player And I would say the best game. And I know God love Chase Young and the Bosa boys. Those guys have had tremendous games from the defensive end position. But I think overall, I've never seen anything like this.
2: I would say he put himself in that same the same conversation as Joey Bosa and Sam Hubbard have where they like, you know, Joey Bosa ended the overtime game by pushing the defender into the quarterback Getting a sack without ever even touching the quarterback to win the game. Sam Hubbard tackled both uh, McSorley and Saquon Barkley at the same time to basically seal the deal against Penn State at home in the come from behind game in 2017. And uh, and then you had this one, you know, Uh, so. uh, Which was probably uh, uh, the single greatest performance by a defensive end that and in ohio state history so
3: maybe in college football history
2: possibly i mean it was incredible so yeah he's he put himself (laughs) in in the nightmares of penn state fans like kevin egan he'll be seeing jt to for years to come just like he saw joey bosa and sam hubbard which is why his profile picture is what it is today
4: i was gonna say he's gonna see it for how long was the bet for a week one week
2: yeah, do be him seeing he's pro-
4: JTT for at least seven more days I,
2: I told him he's probably gonna have a great day sell selling or a great week
4: selling in real estate because of this that's a fact that's hey we're here to help you Kevin that's real. we're Kevin. here for you help us help you <laughs> help us help you that is right <laughs> all right Eric I'm gonna give you this one uh, you kind of touched on it so I didn't know if you wanted to go a little bit deeper into it but Thomas Bauer asked why isn't our game plan to establish the pass first? The mid deep so, pass is there and when teams have to focus on shutting that down, the run will come.
2: Yeah, I'm with him. I am absolutely with him. I think that's exactly what we're going to do. But I think Ryan Day Ryan Day obviously lost a lot of sleep over the offseason rewatching us get out-physicled without Woody hats on against that team up north okay like yep. let's just call it what it is dude they were tougher stronger meaner batter up front than what we were last year and i think he has has tried to in his very best way that he knows how try to establish a mindset on the offensive line that says we have to be more physical than the defense when it comes to running the football. But I've come to the conclusion, Aaron, that given the offense that we're running, that at this point the running game should be there to complement what we're best at, which is CJ Stroud making eye contact with Marvin Harrison Jr. and say, hey, do a slant or on go on a go route. By the way, did you know several of those catches he has were not the plays that were called but CJ would look over at Marvin and they would like have nonverbal cues that said, Hey, do this. That's, I mean, that happens throughout games. sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. that's like, that's like, that's like speaking love languages to one another. Like he's like, Hey, my love language is 10 yard slant. Go. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, here comes the love letter with hearts and kisses. Catch it first down, baby. Like that third down catch he had was not what was called. <clears throat> But he gets up to the line of scrimmage. He sees what they're in, and literally, they're you know they've got those nonverbal calls to each other. And I, at this point, Aaron, I I'm like, you are who we are. Okay, we're eight games into this thing. There's no sense in trying to to try to shove a a a, a circle into a square peg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why, why are we why would we try to do that? Now, we might go into Evanston and we might try to st- establish the line of scrimmage just because we can. But at this point, I say let's just embrace
4: who we are, man. I'm with it. I agree. Um, so this one, this next question by Dan Hoffers is kind of interesting considering the the injury situation we have right now um and i kind of want to get both of your thoughts but chris you can answer it first dan Hoffer says i know henderson had a decent game in the fourth quarter but i think our run game is more effective with williams in the backfield who do you think can replace williams with his physical running style when henderson's style of running is not effective uh
3: you know i i think that We've got a freshman there with with Hayden who is, I think, pretty solid. I think he brings a little bit more physicality than what Henderson has, obviously. But I would like to see Chip uh, Trey, Trey, get a chance to run the ball a little bit. You know, he's moved over with the injuries to the, um, the, the the running back room. We've heard so much about his speed, but. Yeah, you know he's he's a pretty big guy, pretty vicious-looking guy. Um, I would like to see if maybe there's a little bit of uh, violent running in that guy as well, a little bit like what we see with Mayan. Um, again, haven't got a chance to really watch him as a running back, but I think either of those two guys are going to provide a more physical presence than what we're seeing out of Henderson, who is much more of that that elusive back, the the more, um, you know, the, the more finesse back. Uh, and we got to have that physical run presence. So I think either of those guys are going to give more of a physical presence um, th- than what we've got with Henderson. And don't get me wrong. I'm not coming down on Henderson. Henderson's a finesse runner. I think we knew this when we got this kid in here. Um, I don't think they're, they they've ever tried to say that he is anything but what he is. But at the same time, we have to be able to run the football in physical situations. And I think those two guys both give us a better option than Henderson in in playing a physical game.
4: Yeah, I'll tell you, man, with Travion, I wish he's he reminds me so much of a young J.K. Dobbins. And I wish that J.K. would come back to Columbus and get Travion in a room and have a discussion with him about. How to develop this thing? How to develop his game a little bit further? Because I feel like Travion is powerful. He just doesn't know how to use it to his advantage yet. I don't know, but maybe so. Uh, and honestly, against Northwestern, we might get to see Chip train and run the ball a little bit. They might be trying to get him trained up and get his his you know the the, the playbook installed in his head. But um Eric, what do, what do you think? Who who can replace Williams when Henderson's style isn't isn't working?
2: No one's going to replace Williams that we don't have him on this roster, but you don't, you don't think Chip Trianem might be able to, I don't think so. I mean, from, from what I watched when he was in Arizona state, he's closer to Henderson than he is Mayan. He's got a little bit more of a physical style of running, but he there, I mean, the level that Mayan Williams runs with is just violent. He's just a violent ball carrier. When there's only one other guy on this roster and he's nowhere near as Good as Mayan Williams, but he is violent when he runs the ball, and that's Mitch Rossi.
4: Mm, he's just, yeah. he's
2: just, he's just not a running back. He's a fullback. Can you use a fullback to replace that
4: in those situations? Yeah, maybe, possibly. We've done it in the past. In
3: right, short right. yardage.
4: Yeah. So what do you do? Do you remember in 2003 we played Kansas State in the Fiesta Bowl, um, the year after we won the national title? and we used Brandon Joe as a tailback.
2: Don't remind me of Brandon Joe. I have nightmares of that kid when I was in high school, man. He killed me. I'm just I, saying. I Brandon played Joe, I played against Brandon Joe in in basketball and in baseball and he destroyed us in every sport there was. He's, well, I'm, he, I'm, he's great.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Dude's an athlete, you know, and I'm sure Mitch Rossi right. is too, you know, and if we need a couple yards here and there or we're goal line, you know, maybe right. you throw Mitch Rossi in there. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, he when he carries the football, it's a first down or a touchdown just about every time, guys. I'm, I'm just. That's I mean, true. It, it's true. That's fact. It is.
4: Okay. He might, only, he might only get
2: one yard, but it's the yard we need. Yeah, yeah
4: I was about <laughs> to say he does exactly what is needed. That man is is. That <laughs> reminds me of Mike
2: Alstott. Remember him for the yes. first Bay Buccaneers? Yes. Mike Alstott would have three carries. Four yards, two touchdowns.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Mitch Rossi is Mike Allstott for sure. (laughs) He's just been reborn. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so these next two, one is kind of more of a comment, uh, but I'm going to roll it into the last question. The comment is from Kat Unger. She said, let's talk about the refs. We got some penalties called on us that should have been called. Uh, shouldn't have been called maybe they should have been called on Penn State I hate when the refs side with one team and don't do the right thing I watched the whole game I saw what was happening and it wasn't fair so I'm going to roll that into the final question we have from Brian Lee Oberst and he says I don't understand the rule of covering up the center looked like Tennessee did it but was not called on the extra point try uh, against Kentucky can someone explain it so we can understand the call? Chris, you mentioned earlier before the show started that you had the rule book out on this thing. Do you want to talk about this?
3: Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the first question, which I think probably had a little bit to do with Cage Stover's false starts. Uh, the, the deal with the false start, and we all thought, and Eric, we talked about it down there in the basement, The defensive guy crossed into the neutral zone first, causing the movement. Here is the explanation. The only people permitted to move when the defensive guy enters uh, enters that neutral zone that will cause the defensive player to draw the penalty is the person directly across from them or directly adjacent to them. If you are more than one and a half positions away, it is still a false start because you are not considered to have been affected by that player. So that is why Cade Stover, who was on the opposite side of the line, was called for the false starts. If if you're lined up as a defender and you're across from the right tackle and the right tackle moves or the right guard or if a tight end's on that side, the tight end moves – and he's immediately across or, or adjacent to you, then that defensive player is guilty of a neutral zone infraction. If the left tackle moves and you're across from the right tackle, no, that is still a false start on the offense. So that is the explanation for that. As far as the covering the kicker, first of all, uh, you said it was Brian that asked that, correct, Aaron? Yes. He this is center, right. Tennessee. you're Not the kicker. <laughs> Uh, that's The center, yes. Covering mm-hmm. the center. Thank you, Eric. Tennessee absolutely did commit that penalty, and it was not called. That was just a missed call. But during a punt, field goal ac- attempt, or kick try, a defender who is within one yard of the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball must have his entire body outside the snapper's shoulder pads. Now, we saw our defender yesterday. We just saw a leg that kind of swung over in front of the center. But because, or because his leg was inside the shoulder pads, that was the cause of that penalty. So, so that is the rule on it.
2: So right. can I can I give you a layman's explanation As after Chris's uh, beautiful description of those rules? No. Here's why it was not called in the Tennessee game, Aaron. Okay. SEC refs. They wanted Tennessee to win. I kid you not. Yes. I'm telling you, the SEC refs know it is in their best interest to have two teams in the S, in the uh CFP.
3: Three. So, you're saying, three.
4: so you're saying that
3: some of these some
4: of these some of these games are fixed?
2: No, I'm not saying they're fixed. I just don't think they care to call. They're influenced. They're they absolutely are influenced. Hey, we don't have to go back and hash this out. I know you don't want to talk about this, but when we lost to Clemson and to some terrible
4: calls, who was it? No, you're right. And I was actually thinking about bringing that up. But you're 100 percent right. I'm I'm just telling you, dude. One of the things I always watch
2: for when I watch SEC games, I have no I have like no skin in the game. Is just watch how bad the refs are. Have you heard about the Pac-12
4: refs? Oh, uh, no. What's going on there? Is it even worse? Oh, it is way worse. They're missing calls. They're making up calls. They're bad. Like, I've got to keep Oregon and Utah up Aaron. Dude, I've been reading articles about people complaining about this stuff. Like USC is the most recent. Um, Apparently, they cost them a touchdown or a field goal, something, uh, because they ran the clock off uh, at the end of the game. Like they they allowed the clock to keep ticking. Uh, after a first down and the ball was was not placed yet and it cost USC a chance at a touchdown. Jeez. So I mean you got stuff like that going on up and down the Pac-12, the SEC over there influencing games like it's just I that's it, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. What
2: yeah, what we're saying, Cat, is we hear your frustration. But it could be worse. <laughs> it could be way understand. worse. Yeah, it could totally be worse.
3: And wait till the playoff because it probably will be.
4: Oh, Chris, yeah. don't jinx us, man. Come on. Let's hope we get an, like an AAC refereeing crew. I don't know if that's possible, but let's hope for that. I never hear any complaints out of that conference. But anyway, yeah. Eric, why don't you take us around a trip, or take us around, take us for a trip around the Big Ten. Edit that do, out, please. Do I have to?
3: <laughs> the most depressing part of your week, Eric. <laughs> oh, my
2: gosh. I got the pressence right. on standby. Well, we're we're going to end it with a very good discussion of what happened last night up in Ann Arbor. But let's start <laughs> – yeah, let's do that. Let's start over in Minneapolis where there was a football game played. But One team didn't show up, that being Rutgers. They scored zero points. They didn't even get on the scoreboard. Minnesota bounces back after their bad loss in Happy Valley. They score 31. Tanner Morgan returned, but it was Mo Ibrahim. It was his show yesterday. 36 carries, 159 yards, and three, yes, count them, three touchdowns for the Golden Gophers who get back on track. Illinois. After falling behind in Nebraska, shuts them out in the second half. They win 26-9. to nine. Chase Brown continues his marvelous season. He also was in the 30s in carries. He had 32 for 149 yards, two scores, one of which was in the receiving department. Isaiah Williams added nine receptions for the fighting Illini for 93 yards and a touchdown. And their big win over Nebraska as they continue to set the pace in the Big Ten West. Ohio State's next opponent, well, that's Northwestern. They were on the road in Iowa City. And, yes, Iowa jumps back and wins 33-13. to 13. They do have an offense it, against Northwestern. If Iowa scored 33 points against Northwestern, what can we do in four quarters? Yikes. Spencer Petrus, you remember him? Remember we declared him as the worst quarterback in the Big Ten? Yeah. 21 of 30 for 220 yards and a touchdown in that game. Let hmm. that sink in what's going to happen next week in Evanston. Yikes. All right, here we go. Let's talk about it guys. Up in Ann Arbor last night, Sparty 7, the Loserines 29. In that game Sparty actually jumped out to a 7-3 lead at the end of the first quarter. But from that moment on, you want to talk about physical. It was Michigan who was more physical. They outscored the Spartans 26-0 to to end that game and win 29-7. Of course, Blake Corum, 33 carries, 177 yards and a touchdown. I don't want to admit this. Blake Corum's a good running back man. He's tough. I'm just I don't I don't like it. I don't like I, I immediately don't like him because of who he plays for, okay? <clears throat> but if you took like the stupid winged helmet away and those dumb colors and you put him on in, in, in another uniform, I'm telling you you would be like this this cat is he's someone you would want, okay? Um yeah, just get just get ready, Ohio State fans, because that is what their offense is going to be, is Blake Corum running the ball to the left, to the right, and up the middle. Man, that's who they are. So that was basically the player of the game. Peyton Thorne was 17 of 30 for 215 yards and a touchdown, but just could not get anything going offensively uh, for Sparty. But the story of this game was what happened after the game was over. For a third out of the the last five home games Michigan has had, three of them have ended in controversy or had controversy with instances that are happening in that stupid tunnel that they have going back to the locker room. And here's the deal. Apparently, there are some players for Michigan and state who and I don't know if you guys have seen this video, but it's pretty bad they are ganging up on one of the ttun's wide receivers who who they basically shove over into a wall and start kicking him and punching him it's bad guys like it's yeah it's it's rough now i don't know why he's the only player who's in this video like where's his teammates why is he not with his team What was said or done to to instigate this? I don't know any of that, okay? So I – and I don't want to speculate on what was done. We don't know the whole story, but apparently the authorities are involved and there could be some pretty heavy um, penalties handed down not only from the Big Ten but also the authorities because this was a a sick incident. But what I want to say is that – Michigan is partially to blame here. And when I say Michigan, I'm talking about whoever freaking designed this stupid crap hole of a stadium who decided to put the locker room side by side sharing a a hallway. Whoever thought that was a good idea, you are an absolute nincompoop and deserve to not even have an uh, engineering degree. That is just. Okay, I don't want to use the word, so I'm not going to, but it's dumb, okay? It's just absolutely stupid. And Michigan's to blame for some of this. At what point do you say to yourselves, Okay, this obviously is not a good idea. Maybe we should try to redesign something here, okay? Or create a rule that says, All right, we're gonna let them you get completely in the locker room before we go into the locker room. I know they tried to keep it from happening at halftime, but obviously it wasn't good enough after the game because someone now got seriously injured and these other players who let the, you know, their tempers get the best of them are probably not going to be able to play for the rest of the year. That's my two cents. One of, so, of you would like to join in on this?
4: Yeah. So there's actually, a, apparently there's a video floating around out there um I don't know what player that is cuz that particular player it could have been Andre Anthony the wide receiver or a DB I can't remember his name um but either way there's a video floating around out there um in rumor that that individual went skipping down yes skipping down that tunnel and started and was taunting those guys and they jumped him so it's, you know, and the other thing too is, and this is a little bit street justice, not really police justice, but why are you doing that? Because, like, did, because did that's, think? that's Michigan, though, dude. That's who they are. Okay. Then he had a whooping coming and he got it. You You go asking for trouble and you will find it with some people and he found it and now they're crying wolf. And that's that's ridiculous. Let's call the police after we start some crap like what. That is the biggest just ugh, I, I, that gets under my skin other than the design. You know, and, and James Franklin brought up a great point. He said this. This is an easy solution. They don't even have to do any construction. The security teams or coaching staff or both can just provide time for one team to exit the locker room and return to the locker room. And at the beginning, the halftime and the end of the game, and this whole thing is not an issue. And Jim Harbaugh refuses to do it. And this is not new. This is not exclusive to this season. There has been numerous issues in the past, um, dating back to when Jim Harbaugh, I think I read a, 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 a post by Jeff Snook actually talking about Jim Harbaugh, when he was quarterback at at that team up north, talking trash to Florida State's uh, strength and conditioning coach. And it it was kind of funny because Jeff Snooks said that strength and conditioning coach, it took a lot of restraint to keep his mouth closed and not take physical action because apparently the referees that day really screwed Florida State out of that game. Uh, And this was in the 80s, obviously, when Harbaugh was quarterback. Um, and he was scrawny, I guess. And he said that that strength and conditioning coach could have ground him up into dust if he wanted to, and he didn't. so this is this is a long term, at least forty years minimum worth of issues in that tunnel, and they have not addressed it one time. And that leads me to believe Michigan don't they don't want to. They don't want to address those issues. It's their arrogance, Aaron. So that it's is abso- Michigan's fault. It's absolutely their arrogance. 100%. Which
2: is what I, I've pointed out for years about them. One of the reasons why I can't stand them—they're so arrogant. All the, they are pompous. They're pompous and arrogant. Um, I would love for for Michigan State to retaliate themselves. Uh, if you're gonna be like that, then we're gonna sue you because the because of what you did. You put you created this unhealthy situation given what you have done as a, as an organization. Like there, there's two that can play the lawyer game here. So if yeah. you're going to be like that, I would love to see Penn State and Michigan State come together. You Oh, you want to talk about a lawsuit. There you go. Penn State and Michigan State both sue the University of Michigan for that. Now we're talking, right? But they have to use their law school students
4: to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a genius plan. Come on. Oh, that's – yeah, I like well, it. They can't they can't actually practice law yet, no, but, but they can, in, you, you get what I'm saying. Case study, baby. They
2: yes. can debate it. Absolutely.
4: Yes.
3: Chris, do you have any thoughts on this thing, man? You've been quiet. Well, first of all, do you really think Michigan State or Penn State want to be anywhere near a courtroom? Things haven't gone good for them in the past. Ooh.
4: Great Ooh. point. Ooh. Also, ouch.
3: Okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. Michigan, you're right, Eric. Michigan is absolutely partially to blame for this. The security team, the 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 stadium facilitators, the coaches, they absolutely have to take some accountability in this manner or matter. That being said. What happened on the part of the Michigan State players was just disgusting. I don't like that team up north one bit. I, I don't like them any more than you guys do. But the fact is. What happened, whether it was taunting or not, was just wrong. You don't take five, six guys, get a guy on the ground and just start kicking the crap out of them. Why not? There's just no place for that in sport. I'm just there's just not. Yeah, you're right. That was pretty sick. The but I think there has to be accountability leveled out on both parts. And I think you know, it has to come from the Big Ten office. I think getting the authorities involved is over the line, considering Michigan created the circumstance. They are basically complicit in this because they set up for this to happen. As you said, a 40-year tradition of problems in the tunnel. You know it's existed. You basically are guilty by negligence. But... The Big Ten office has to come down hard. And honestly, if first of all, you've got the video, they need to come down. These players need to be suspended. Mel Tucker needs to be suspended. And if it's found out that the Michigan player was permitted to go back there and instigate this situation, he and Harbaugh both deserve a suspension as well. I mean, it's that simple.
2: I actually agree
3: with and you, And it shouldn't Chris. be a little suspension. I'm talking season-ending suspensions.
2: I mean, uh, there's there's only one way to clean this thing up and to make both parties realize that this is unacceptable and that's to do exactly what you said. If you come mm-hmm. out of, against um uh, Michigan State and their and their staff and those players and Michigan gets no uh nothing uh you know taken from them here, you know they're going to do it again.
4: Absolutely. And there's already a pattern of misconduct just yes. this season. Let, we won't even talk about past seasons. Let's just talk about the last two yeah. weeks. There is already a pattern of misconduct in that tunnel. Absolutely. You know, Penn State was not there last night.
2: You can't blame Penn State for what happened this time, right. Jimmy. Yeah, the only constant here is that team up north. Exactly. That's why I'm saying they need to take responsibility for this. They are They are creating – A lot of okay, Michigan State just got their butts beat, right? Let's just just call it like it is. They got their butts beat. It was, it was an absolute dominating game by Michigan. Under what circumstance do you allow a player the first thing Jimmy should do is he should come out Monday and say, This player. Although he did not deserve to do this, should never have went in, into, down that ha- hallway until by himself without his teammates, number one, and number two, until he was permitted to do so. And because of that, he is suspended for a week. He's got to set the precedent. Instead, he's going to come out and act like he's the victim because,
5: because that's what, what he does.
2: does. Exactly.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's and why I'm pointing out to this, and putting well- this out.
4: There's another side to this, too, that people are going to say, well, he can't watch all the players all at once. No, you're right. But what he can do is have a policy in place with his team that says do not go in the locker room until you are explicitly told so by a coaching staff member. No, he totally can set the precedent by saying you follow me. I lead this program. I'll lead you down the hallway. You follow me. Yeah. Well, just, and, like when they, just, just like when they come out of the tunnel at the beginning of the game, same thing going back in. Yep,
3: done. And, and you know, you mentioned, Aaron, that he can't follow everybody. You know what? You've got position coaches. You've got grad assistants. Yeah. You've got other players, team captains on that field, who are just as responsible for that. And, again, I say where in the world was the security team? Watching. Recording in video. it with their it's freaking the, cell phones. That's what they were in, doing. It's in the video. You Watch can the see
5: video.
4: Against, yeah, you can see them against. Yeah, the, exactly. Just this happened. They literally pulled their cell phones out to record it. That's not called being security. That's low character, low morals, low values. They
2: should. I, all quiet. I could
3: say is this: if, if at the shoe, the the, and we would never be this stupid, but if at the shoe, the locker rooms were side by side. Having worked with public safety at Ohio State, I can tell you right now that would not happen. The state police who monitor that would not happen. The university police who monitor that would not let that happen. The ushers who work in that stadium would not let that happen. This is just, like I said, it is a crime of negligence on the part of the University of Michigan, plain and simple
2: pompous arrogance just just absolutely oozes all over that program and fan base and why it's why why we love to hate them (laughs) so that's what creates the greatest rivalry in in sports right there so hey man this we we don't want to we don't want to uh get into it maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this thursday if the fans want to bring it back up maybe we'll do a uh poll question with it or something i don't know but that's how i wanted to end the show because quite frankly that that had to be addressed it needs to be addressed it's going to be very very interesting what uh karen War- warren does this week because yeah that's uh this is your this is why you're in the big in, in uh you got the big shoes to fill there buddy for moments like this so
3: and it's time to make a tough decision
2: That's right. This is, yeah, this is a decision making time. Yeah. Let's, let's see what he does here. That's our show for this week. As always, you know, Hey, thanks so much to all of you for 250 shows on the OHIO podcast. If this was uh, in the off season, we probably would have had a special guest on or something, but Hey, we're in the midst of, of hopefully crossing our fingers and cheering them on a national championship season for Ohio state it's uh, going to come down to these last four games. I mean, I think we're going to be favored at least probably pretty big in the first three and probably favored in the fourth one since it is a home game. It's shaping up like Sean and I have I've been talking about like another game of the century. I get to go to this one, too. I can't wait. So this is going to be awesome. This is uh, this is where the rubber hits the road, right, Aaron? This is where the you separate the boys from the men. These last four games, what do you got? Here we go. We're in November. Championships are won in November. Isn't that right? Yeah, sure are. So this is it, guys. So. Uh, get ready. Make sure you're tuning in every Thursday for our previews, Sundays for our reviews. Of course, we'll have uh, uh, another show, uh, either Shots from the Shot or uh, to Buckeye Tobacco for you on Tuesday. So make sure you're checking all of that out. Actually, Ohio State basketball kicks off their season uh, next week, believe it or not. So uh, basketball right around the corner as well. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and seeing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe. Go Bucks.
5: Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through alma ring while our hearts' rebounding thrill And joy which death alone can still Summer's heat or winter's cold The seasons pass, the years will roll Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship, yo
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive.